0: it's like when you find a dirty plate on the table. If it's the stepdaughters, it'll fire you up a little bit. If it's your kids, it's, oh, he must have been in a hurry.
1: (laughs) You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step-family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy step-family coaching team, Lori and David Sims.
0: We're back. Where do we go? David. <laughs> We've been going a whole week. I have. Yeah, from the last time we released an episode.
2: Oh, it just seems like I never leave. I see you
0: every day. I know. Aren't you happy?
2: Yes, that is the perpetual bliss that I get <laughs> from, <laughs> from being married to you.
0: Okay, let's just jump right in. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about our guest today. All right. Today, we have Jessica and Mark. Hey, Jessica and Mark. (laughs) (laughs) They have been together seven years, blending for four and a half. That's like a
2: hundred and dog years. Yes. Or excuse me, blended years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Stepkids, 50-50. Jessica has three stepkids. Stepdaughter, 20. Stepdaughter, 18. And stepdaughter, 16. Goodness. And they have an hour son who is two and a half. Wow. It was really good to have both of them on here so we could get both of their perspectives. Mm-hmm. And Jessica was an hour's baby in her blend growing up. And so she thought that she knew what this would be like. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know what she was getting into? Well... She might have thought she did, but then she realized that her family actually functioned more like a nuclear family.
2: Mm-hmm. Set you up for a surprise, didn't it, Jessica? David, <laughs> <They'd> be nice. <laughs> I am being nice. It's like, you know, you ever had one of those times where like you trip over a hole in the yard and you're like, it," <laughs> And then the person comes along and trips in the same hole. You laugh at them.
0: David, that's horrible.
2: But you laugh at them more so. Not that they did it, but that you did it too.
0: So you're laughing at other people's struggles.
2: No, it's that when I laugh, it's not at them. It's just like, it's a laughing because it's a reminder of how naive I was going into the blend.
0: Okay. I can see that.
2: So, yeah, it's, you know, we talk about this often how we thought we had it all down and we read the books and we were prepared and we did the personality analysis and answered all kind of questionnaires. And, and still it just
0: completely blindsided us. And so now I'm able to laugh about all that. <laughs> mm-hmm. She says something that's very, very interesting. So I want to make sure that I mention this because I don't want you to miss it in the podcast or in the interview. She said that by them having an hour's baby, it was almost like hitting reset on the blend. Hmm. So the seven to eight years they say it takes to blend, they were already two and a half years in or two years in when she had the hour's baby. So that reset it.
2: So they had to start all over. Mm-hmm. She said that's what it felt like. Because they changed the dynamics of everything happening. Mm-hmm. We have... um Somebody else that recently had an hour's kid. So we're, we're very interested in following their journey.
0: Yes. It's a Nacho Kids Academy, baby. <laughs> Our first. <laughs> we have to remember that a blended family is built from loss. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of stepmoms, especially, there's a grieving process when they realize that they're not going to have that nuclear family.
2: Yeah, I think it's especially hard when the stepmom has not been in a first marriage relationship.
0: Right. All right, David, you got anything you want to talk about today? Um,
2: Is that like a taco reference? Anything I want to taco about?
0: Yeah, David, you got anything you want to taco about today? (laughs) Uh, No, nothing in particular, unless uh, something you want to go down the rabbit hole on. I do have a rabbit hole. What's that? I was talking to somebody today, and they mentioned something that I had never heard of. And I'm sure other people have done it. I had just never heard of it. What's that? They had food trucks at their wedding reception. Hmm. How genius is that?
2: Yeah, because then you got all these different things people can pick from.
0: Right. How awesome is that? Yeah. So anyway, that was interesting.
2: I like that idea. Mm -hmm. We should try it whenever we get married again.
0: No. (laughs) No. Maybe your next wife will agree, but not this one. There will be no more. Mm -hmm.
2: You have taught me one lesson, and that is nobody can live up to Lori.
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I just, I'm not even going to say anything, (laughs) y'all. Well, David, we do have something else that we want to talk about. Okay. One of your kids who has been living way across the pond. Yep. For many years. Yep is coming back to the state of South Carolina.
2: Yeah, and he will be living with us for a couple of weeks. He's not coming back alone, though. Oh, no. You send them out alone, but they come back with more. <laughs> coming back with an expectant wife and two cats.
0: <laughs> I have fur grandbabies and a real grandbaby coming. Yeah, that is true.
2: So is that- um, that, that's going to be fun um, on, on a number of levels.
0: Well, and for those of you that have listened to our podcast, it is Avery, David's oldest. I can't remember what podcast he was on. I think he was on 100. Yeah. Yeah. So listen to that podcast and you will see how entertaining my life is going to be for a few weeks.
2: <laughs> yep, so I'm I'm interested to um I'm excited rather to meet his wife and certainly excited to be a grandparent, cautiously excited. <laughs>
0: Why so are we'll you see. cautiously excited?
2: Um, I don't know. Because I don't know what the expectations are yet. Like, I've got this role that's going to be handed to me, right? Like, you're now granddad. Well, okay. Well, what does that mean, though? Like, what do you want me to do?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can you see what I'm saying? Well, they're not going to be living in the same town as us. Mm-hmm. Um, He's going to be on base about an hour and a half away. Yeah. And then when he gets out, he plans to live in a city or two over. Yeah, and this is also my my first
2: uh, daughter in law. Oh yeah, so I got that too. So just a you know a lot of different stuff. I'm, I mean I don't know maybe I'm overthinking it probably, but um you know when you have all these different things that you are now and two different people, it just becomes one of those things where okay I got to figure out how to be the best grandfather I can be. Spoil the kid and send him back home.
0: (laughs) So are you going to sit down with Avery and Kay and ask them what your role?
2: No. (laughs) I'm
0: not. (laughs) Well, there's a lot going on with your kids. Ethan is in Saudi Arabia. Yep. Branson is in Turkey. Yep. Avery's in Japan, but coming home soon. Yep. And Mason's still in the mountains. Mason's my constant.
2: (laughs) Yes. He he doesn't uh, change as much as everybody else, so. But yeah, but I'm excited to have one of the kid back close by, so you know now I can have at least two of them come over
0: at some point. So anyway, yeah, what else is going on? Uh, that's about it in our personal life that we wish to disclose at this moment. <laughs> we do have the Nacho Club.: Oh, yeah, people
2: are really loving the Nacho Club. I see people going into Facebook groups sometimes like, "I'm glad I went to the Nacho Club."
0: <laughs> yes. For those that don't know, the Nacho Club is a community forum mm-hmm. for people that want to talk about the Nacho Kids method and get Nacho Kids support without all of the Facebook drama and restrictions. Yeah. So we just, we had to
2: create another community that was a replacement for Facebook or an alternative, not a replacement because the Facebook group's still there, but it's an alternative. And, um, because Facebook was getting crazy, not just some of the people, but, you know, they're trying to block people and, and they're sending us warnings. If you don't calm your people down, we're going to lock your group. Yeah. I got another you. one today. Did you? Yeah. So, you know, honestly, at any time, Facebook could come and go, Hey, your Facebook group is gone no more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we didn't want that to, to affect us and affect the people that want to learn more about Nacho kids method and all that. So, we created the Nacho Club to give people an alternative to go in and chat with other people and leave messages, kind of like a message board. So, it's easier to find conversations and stuff than it is on Facebook, much easier than Facebook.
0: And within the club, there's like sub clubs for full time stepmoms, stepmoms with adult kids, stepdads. Yep.
2: And guess what else? It's 100% anonymous. Dun, da, da, dum. Like Facebook can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, nobody knows who you are. So come in and create a display name and, and have at it. Nobody can uh, take screenshots and send them to
0: people that, that, you know, are connected to you on Facebook because they don't know who you are. Right. And you can look into that by going to nachokids.com and clicking on club. That's it. All right, David, let's get
2: to listening. All right, but first, here's a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. If you're not familiar with that, you can go to NachoKidsAcademy.com.
1: There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle step-family challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step-parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com.
0: Today, we have Jessica and Mark. Hey, Jessica and Mark. How are y'all? How are you? Good. So, how long have y'all been blending? We will be married five years this September,
3: and we dated for two years before we got married. So, four and a half years of marriage plus two years of dating.
0: Okay. And stepkids? How many stepkids? Well, I guess it would be your stepkid.
3: (laughs) I'm the only one that has stepkids in this relationship. So, a 20 year old, an 18 year old, and a 16 year old, all girls.
0: Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh huh. And what's your visitation schedule like? It's really 50
4: 50, but you know, once each one turned 16 and had a license, there was definitely liberties there, but but essentially 50 50 and uh, split time with their mom who's here local.
0: Okay.
3: Yeah, they do a good job still, even though that they have their own, like their licenses or whatever, they do a really good job of uh, keeping the 50 50 pretty pretty on point where it's like our uh, our days are supposed to be wednesday thursday and every other long weekend and they do a pretty solid job of keeping to that schedule
0: okay good i know a lot of kids don't do that once they turn 16 it's like i don't want to go to the other house
3: yeah no we have a pretty good they're pretty good about it still which apparently is not common like you mentioned
0: right it's not and you have an hours baby
3: we do have an hours baby he is two and a half um, he's a, it's a boy. So three
0: girls and then a little boy. You finally got that boy, huh, Mark? <laughs> yes, <I did. laughs> when y'all started dating, Jessica, you had no kids of your own. Nope. Did you have any reservations about getting involved with somebody that had kids?
3: So interestingly enough, I am actually an hours baby and I grew up in a very similar dynamic. Uh, my sisters, my, my husband is older than me my sisters are older than me. My sisters were 14 and 19 when I was born. Wow. Yes. So my husband is 13 years older than me. So he's actually closer in age to my sisters than he is to me. Um, And then my sisters have kids that are the same age as my stepdaughters. So to me, it didn't seem abnormal because that's what I grew up in was a father been married multiple times with multiple children, um, age gap. Mm-hmm. And then obviously being around my sisters, being around older people growing up that way, it just didn't seem abnormal. In fact, I was, <laughs> I almost thought it was like, Oh, this makes sense. Like why, why wouldn't I end up with a guy that's older with kids? Because i have been around that so much. Right. So I had a very, um, I feel like I had more experience going into it than most people do, but I also had a very like skewed, vision of it as well. Like, I just thought it would be like all daisies and rainbows. Like, I didn't foresee, because from my perspective of being a blended family, we were a very close-knit family. Like, there was no going back and forth. My sisters lived with me full-time. There was no other household. So, I didn't understand, like, the complications of a child going back and forth. That was probably one of the biggest things that threw me.
0: So, are your sisters your moms or your dads? My dad. Did his ex pass away or something?
3: Yes. Yeah, so my oldest sister, her mom passed away when she was four. And then my middle sister, her and my dad were together for 13, 14 years. They divorced. And then my dad married my mom. So we have a couple different marriages. We're all technically half sisters, but we're extremely close. Mm-hmm. My sisters and I have always been close, even from the time I was very, very little. So I just have all these magical memories of having these older siblings that could drive and take me places. And they were like, real life Barbie dolls that were so fabulous and whatever. So it it definitely skewed my perspective of having my own blended family Mm -hmm. and my own hours baby.
0: So the 14 year old sister or the sister that was 14 when you were born,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: was her mom still in the picture?
3: My dad had full custody of her. So she saw her mom. I don't remember her ever really seeing her mom Mm -hmm. um, very much growing up, but my dad had primary physical custody of her. So she saw her like in the summers for weeks. You know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't a back and forth scenario by any means.
0: Yeah. So I can see how you would definitely have this perception of what you think a blended family is like because you you lived it.
3: I did, but I didn't even realize it until I started going through my own counseling after I became a stepmom, but that's technically what I grew up in because to me, it felt like a nucleus family.
0: Right. And I mean, by all means, it was really. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did your sisters call your mom their stepmom?
3: Oh, that's really complicated. So they call her by her first name, mm-hmm. um, and then they they she was the primary person in their life from the time they were. My oldest sister calls my other sister's mom mom. If that makes sense. So like, my oldest sister calls my middle sister mom mom. Right, like, that's how she addresses her. But she calls my mom Marian.
0: Right, because because to her. That was her mom probably growing up.
3: Yes, it was. Because my mom came into the picture with my oldest sister when my sister was 14, I think, or 12, something like that, like an early tween. So and then my other sister just always called her Marion. So both of my sisters call her Marion. They don't call her mom.
0: Do you remember being young and wondering why they called her that?
3: I don't. I just always remember knowing that they had different moms and it wasn't it wasn't weird to me until i started going to school mm-hmm. and having to explain that i have these sisters and that they're older like people were really confused by that i remember that in elementary school being like i have these sisters and they're they're older they're in their 20s or they're in college or whatever it was like that it didn't realize it was different until i started being around other kids more frequently
0: yeah because usually if there's that much of an age gap it's a oops baby
3: <laughs> yeah so some people thought that until they saw my mom and dad together and could see the age gap between my mom and dad. Mm -hmm. So when I would explain the situation, people did say like, Oh, you were surprised. And I'm like, no, I was pretty sure I was planned, but it's just different, different moms.
0: Right. So Mark, did you have any reservations about marrying someone or dating someone that didn't have kids? Because I know with me having Jackson, one of the things I wanted to date somebody that had kids because I wanted them to understand being a parent. You know, if your kid's sick, no, you're not going to that concert because your kid's sick. And a lot of people that don't have kids don't understand that. They're like, Oh, just get a babysitter.
4: You know, I had a a pretty high level of confidence with her. and, And it was due a lot to the fact of what she's talking about here and that, that she just had this unique experience. And, grew up in such a similar environment. And just a lot of it is is the fact kind of a factor of her personality and how open she was day one. You know, you hear these stories about relationships and and there there may be other person in the relationship that that almost (laughs) doesn't want to have anything to do with those kids, even from day one, or is is kind of focused just so hardcore on the relationship and they just fall way down. Uh, the pecking order, and that just wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I, I didn't have reservations because I felt that she was in um, it, you know, had kind of understood what she was signing up for, for lack of a way to put it, um, really from day one. But just like she said, what this common theme is, is there was definitely overconfidence and just not understanding what it would look like. And I say, hey, this is, this is. Uh, you know Jessica is this amazing person, and she's so easy to get along with, and everybody loves her. And she a- already shows affection and effort to um, towards my kids before she even met them. It was already lining out a plan on how how do we how do we execute this properly, and what's the right way to do it, and 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 really even seeking help from day one. So I just thought, hey, with that level of preparation and that kind of heart for my kids before she even knew them. Gosh, we we can't go wrong with this. This is going to be a slam dunk. And so, no, there really weren't reservations. And of course, reality will um, will change those things quickly. But, but we were definitely overconfident, I think, yeah. coming into it. From a good place, but definitely overconfident.
0: So when would you say y'all both noticed that, wait a minute, this isn't what we anticipated, this is harder than we thought, or start having some of the struggles that you weren't prepared for?
3: So there's like, I would say twofold would be, um, we didn't live together before we got married. So when we moved in together, there was definitely an adjustment period at at that point, Mm -hmm. but that only took maybe a couple months, I think maybe to kind of work itself out of just, you know, I was with the girls, like I would come over after work with my dog, make dinner, and then I'd clean up and then I'd go back to my apartment at 10 o'clock. Then I would be back. Like we were together a lot, but still not together all the time. So moving in together was definitely adjustment for the girls and for myself. Like I just wasn't prepared for seeing their full personalities totally uh, without any filter. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of hard to always put your best face forward when you're living with someone. It's easy to do even in as much time as we were spending together that time in the morning, like in particular, like they're not morning people. Mm -hmm. So like I would come down and I'd be like, hi, oh my gosh, are you ready for school? Blah, blah, blah. And they would just look at me like, stop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Stop. I don't want to talk about school. I don't want to talk about whatever. I just don't even want to go to school. Like, so that like me understanding their patterns was something that I had to get used to. But the biggest thing that threw that kind of, I don't want to say through a wrench in it, but caused complications was when we had our baby. That's when things really changed kind of the most from my perspective, because I was a really, with, with the ages of the girls where they were only one of them could drive at that time, they were still really dependent and still really active. So I was really, really involved in going to all their sporting events and like trucking them around and doing things with them. And then having a baby, it took me away from them. Mm-hmm. I couldn't devote as much time and I suffered from pretty severe postpartum depression so I was in a fog slash having suicidal thoughts like it was not a good place to be in and having Grant during that time I just couldn't devote the time that I used to with them and I think that caused a lot of resentment because I was the stepmom that like took my youngest two stepdaughters to New York. I was the one that would take them and get their nails done and facials. And we always had this really special fun aunt type relationship where I would just do fun things with them. Mm-hmm. Um and the second that I had Grant that shifted where I could barely keep my head above water. So it definitely changed the dynamic of our family pretty significantly.
0: Do you think that some of your postpartum depression was because you may have felt guilty that you weren't able to spend as much time with them and they were feeling that?
3: Yeah, I was assuming because based off of my experiences with my sisters and my mom, that it would just be this harmonious, joyful, it's going to bring us even closer. Like I'm close with them now. Us me having a baby and me being the mother of their brother is gonna make us even closer. And when they kind of pulled away and weren't interested in him, that definitely hurt me. And I know it's not was not intentional, it was not malicious. I mean, they're teenage girls, they've gone through a lot of change, but still it affected me and it made me feel very isolated in the house. So it that definitely played a piece into it, I would say, of my depression, just feeling so much guilt of them being unhappy that there was this new person in our family.
0: Right. I'm thinking that they probably didn't have a lot of interest in him because he was taking up the time that you used to give them. Have y'all talked to them about that any?
3: I have some a little bit and it's just they're. I have a little bit. Mark has, I think some.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think it's complicated and, and there's, there's layers to it and everything was an adjustment and and it wasn't a ton of time, you know, yeah. before it was one thing to to announce, hey, we're getting married. And it was in very close proximity, proximity to their mother getting married. And all of this is still relatively new. And then just because of, of you know, ages and things like that, you know, we couldn't dilly dally around if there was going to be a baby. So that came pretty quickly. And they just really weren't fully adjusted. Even what she was referring to back in the beginning, even, even just the space and boundaries that that they still had, where it was like, hey, I've got a bio parent, but I can move around freely in my own space. And then suddenly overnight, boom, there's, there's a new person and we have to kind of, uh, you know, put on a good face. Um, And that's really goes both ways, both with Jessica to them and, and them to her. So there was that adjustment. and, And then all of a sudden, this child, and there were certainly elements of Not just how it took away from her time, but definitely how it took away from my time with them and where do where do they fit in the grand scheme of things. And we just I I know, at least speaking for myself, had no idea because they're good kids and they're well adjusted and they make good grades and they're active. There's all these things that just seem like, hey, everything's fine. We're just still adjusting. And um, I, I just was was a bit surprised with how much adjustment there was there once the baby was born. And now I see it more clearly again, are they, do I, do I love this baby more um do i spend more time with him or do things differently with him than i did with them but um, you know so many questions that we think probably run around in their head and it's difficult to get them to open up their teenagers yeah. and have we tried to talk sure yeah. um and the older they get the the more maturity is there and the easier it is to kind of talk through some of those things but i think that's going to be a lifelong conversation honest, honestly I, I think it's going to be <laughs> long time from now when we're all, all they're all adults before we can really, really pull out all the the truths and the things that they struggled with um, when suddenly there's this baby boy bouncing around the house.
3: Yeah. I just realized that I, it probably felt like they were definitely getting pushed aside. So it just, it was just really complicated with me being really sick mentally, just not being able to, I mean, I was really not okay there for a minute. So It was just really, really hard. Like, I couldn't go to volleyball games and I would like try so hard to go and then would be in the parking lot crying. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, Mm -hmm. I was, I just really loved being a stepmom and I felt really guilty about not being able to be there for them as much. And then I felt anger that they weren't bonding with him or wanting to spend time with him or acknowledging him. Like, that really hurt me because I felt like a rejection of me.
0: Right. And the last thing you need when you're going through postpartum depression is something to make you feel guilty. Yeah. You said by a mom got married not long before y'all did, right? After, after, does like she, six months after. Okay, does she have another child?
3: She inherited two step kids, so like a twenty-four year old and uh, well, the other girl is now twelve. So she she has one adult stepchild and one like fifty-fifty custody stepchild.
0: Okay, wow. So those kids did go through some huge adjustments.
3: Yes, definitely.
0: You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Okay. But I know you would never change having your baby. Oh, yeah. But in hindsight, do you think having an hour's baby complicated things more than you anticipated? Well, we know that much. I don't know how to say what I'm saying.
3: Yeah, there's definitely part of me that feels like, and, and it doesn't take away from how much I love him where I have a lot of guilt about having him because of what it's done to them and how much I care about them. Mm-hmm. So just knowing that that causes them extra stress versus joy makes me really sad and makes me feel like maybe, maybe this wasn't the best call, but it, but I love my son. So right. it's this like very, very, um, Like pulling thing where it's like I have so much guilt about I know how much change they've gone through I love them so much. I want them to be well-adjusted. I want them to be happy in our home want to be in our home and then I have this feeling of oh, I just feel Part of me feels more complete because I have my own biological child Part of the struggle that I was having as a stepmom was like I really realized how much I wanted to be a mom because I felt like I was being like half a mom, you know what I mean? Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
3: so there's definitely a, a pull there in my heart in both directions where I love my child very much and he's like this great joy in my life. But then at the same time, I still feel guilt because I know it stresses them out and has caused them complications.
4: Right. I'd just add that, you know, the the biggest lesson I think we've learned and it's, it's across all of these elements we're, we're discussing is having the long game in mind. And um, that's the one thing that, that lets us see um, or believe in and hope for, um, although we do see elements of it, but see the positive that we do still believe will come from their relationship with you know our son. Yeah. And he's a he is their brother. but y- if you look at just a snapshot and and at this moment, maybe he's one and he just kind of sits there and coos and doesn't do anything, and they're teenagers, and they're at a po- point in their life where the world revolves around them, and we know that, and we can, if we can keep that perspective, that's something we've come back to, and counseling has helped
3: yes, definitely. Uh, so many
4: times of saying, you know what, and, and, and also just the, again, the experience that Jessica's had, and seeing how close she is with her sisters, regardless of the age gap, then we have to look at that, and we have to kind of find our way back to that of saying, you know what, we can't we can't regret this. We can't do anything like that just because of today's challenges. And we're already seeing elements yeah. of that as, as they just see such drastic changes, even moving from high school to college in terms of maturity. And as our, our son becomes more of a, of a little human being and he can communicate and talk and do things other than, than just kind of sit there, then that relationship is it's still, you know, in in the early stages for sure, but but I think it's, we look to that and say, you know what, it will always be a challenge. And but but we see we see the long term. Um and I, I don't think I I don't think regret ever comes into my mind. It's just like, hey, this just adds some challenge. Um and I hate that I added more challenge to to my daughters and you know where I've already done that in so many ways. But I do think we will all be better for it in the long run and i do think they will grow into um and appreciate some sort of not a traditional sibling relationship but something uh unique and i still do hope that again does it in some way validate jessica when there is now shared shared blood if that makes sense Mm -hmm. that helps validate her this just sounds like such a uh, bad term but to validate her as their stepmom and as a mom, when it's like, Hey, we do have this some level of blood connection now, but it's, it's a, it's a long-term.
3: Yeah. And it's as like Mark said, as the girls have gotten older, as Grant has gotten older, it's black. It's like day and night difference between what it was day, basically like week eight is when it kind of really started setting in. And then now, so it, it's just an evolving process and he can kind of seek them out now, which is kind of funny to watch where he, will run up to one of them and be like, blah, blah, blah. Today at school, I did this. And they're like, okay. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like now that he's more verbal and he can kind of initiate, it's really t- changed the dynamic as well.
0: Because
3: mm-hmm. he's like a cute little bob and runs around and does a bunch of stuff.
0: Do you notice that the older he gets and the more interactive he gets, that they are seeming to kind of... Yeah. Good.
3: Yeah. It's, it's definitely very, very different. The older he gets, the more that he can communicate, the more that he can engage, the more that he's more like a small child versus a baby and the older they get and the more that they mature. And it, it, we kind of, for lack of better words, like hit the reset button on our blending. So we were doing a good job with that. And then we hit the restart button with the five to seven year thing mm-hmm. that, uh, that time frame that they give you. So now that we're two and a half years into this new blend, it's getting much better. You know what I mean? So every day is something new with him and with them. And there, the other day we went to dinner for my middle stepdaughter's high school graduation. And he walked into the restaurant and wanted to sit in the chair next to his sister and got up on the chair and just sat there next to her. And she was all excited. And they spent the dinner interacting. And she was talking to him. She's being really sweet with him, really caring with him. And he was sitting there talking to her. And it's like the more that that can happen, the older he gets, I think that they're really, really good hearted girls. Mm -hmm. And they are becoming protective of him. They kind of get on to me and Mark about why do you have these nicknames for him and why did you cut his hair and da da da, da. they're becoming more protective of him as their little brother.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which is not always good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, at least it shows that they're interested. So I take it as a positive.
0: Yes. Oh, definitely. You know, I'm just sitting here thinking, I remember with Jackson, the brothers would be like, well, why'd you do this? And why'd you do that? And you're thinking, oh my gosh, I already have to answer to my mom about why I do things. <laughs> and now I'm having to answer to y'all.
3: Yeah, definitely.
0: Let me ask you this, Jessica. Before you had Sweet Baby Boy,
3: mm-hmm. did
0: you feel like you loved your stepkids, your stepdaughters as your own?
3: Yeah. So I definitely did. And I, you know, my parents wound up getting divorced, and there was a lot of uh, abuse in that relationship. And a lot of abuse towards me and my sisters, and I just like when you have kids enter your life that you really, really care about. It puts all of that into perspective. I never want to cause them that kind of harm. I never want them to go through that. I really, really loved them. I mean, I still obviously love them. I at first when we first got married, I hated calling them my stepdaughters mm-hmm. because I felt like it diminished my relationship with them. It like I really had to go through a lot of education on that's not a negative. That that's what they are. They're not your daughters, but doesn't mean that you don't love them and care for them and want to be there for them. I loved the dynamic that we had. So, and I kind of miss it too. Like I miss being able to spend as much time with them that I was able to dedicate to them before Grant. The other day I got to spend an entire afternoon sunbathing and getting my nails done with my youngest stepdaughter. And it just felt so refreshing to have that one-on-one time with her. Mm -hmm. Because I just miss the interactions with each of them.
0: Well, yeah. And being a mom, even though he's two and a half, they still take up all of your time and energy.
3: Yes. So basically working a full-time job and then coming home and having ground two start with the baby is just, it's hard to to carve out time with the girls and then it's because they're also very very social so, and that's where they are in their life right like when you're a teenager your friends are your priority it's not your stepmom so it's just trying to grab those moments that I can and and kind of create opportunity to spend time with them as much as I can
4: i'd say one interesting thing about this it's almost an odd catch 22 and that I'm I'm totally blessed to have found a partner and married someone who has such a heart for my kids. And like you like you just said, essentially saw them as her own kids. But at the same time, that love and that passion and that devotion she had also contributed to um, the disappointment. I think, and it, it's an interesting. Balance of just saying, "Hey, I, it's what I want, and I'm blessed, and again, I would want it no other way," because it all comes from this, this, just heart for my kids, which is, I think, probably fairly unique. But at the same time, the reality hits, and um, so many times they're just going to be step kids, they're going to be teenagers, they're going to do all these things, and in some level or another. Reject her, not openly, not not rudely, and and you know you yeah. said you have to immediately step in, but these subtle ways, these things, these disappointments, these um, uh, these times that we all go through as parents, much less as bio parents, as well as step as step parents. But but that's been difficult because that love also set her up for I think uh, greater disappointment at those moments when it's not quite playing out the way that you know, she might've envisioned. And there, that really was the first thing we, we all realized, I I think was uh, working towards managing and even lowering expectations at times because uh, of really where her heart was and what she had hoped for and strived for in this kind of perfect blended family that I don't know exists, Um, you know, or at least the the vision of it that, that she and I might have had doesn't really exist. So that's a, that's a tough kind of double edged sword there.
0: Yeah, and Mark, I'm sure that you went through this too, and I guess you too, Jessica. Where, like you said, the stepdaughters are like, "What well, do you love him more than us?" Yeah, because I know my son would ask me a lot if I love David more than him. David's my husband. He would say, "Do you love David more than me?" You got that a
3: lot in yeah. the beginning. Yeah,
4: I mean, again, it's all. It's just this. This really, from their perspective, instant shift of uh, where your affection is pointed and and where your priorities are and of course a new wife we get to the point of having a baby all of these things do command your attention and even with the best int- our best intentions in mind and i think just a, a phenomenal effort 24/7 to include everyone and to do all of those things to do what we we're, we're told and coached up on and and see on papers, this is the way you do it to bring everybody together and not shock them with this or not suddenly. It's just still, you can do everything perfectly and you still cannot avoid that um, in, in terms of just questioning everybody's mind, where do I rank now? Because just five seconds ago, here's where I was. And particularly post-divorce, of course, uh, you know, we really even dig in more to try to manage um, our relationship with our kids. And and with my divorce, it wasn't a big ugly type of thing, but still a scenario and a, a situation after years of of challenge, being challenged in terms of time with my own daughters, to where I really dug into that. And certainly, I, I don't think I fell into the Disneyland dad model, but still, just uh, you know, so much effort towards them and towards. Um, building this new relationship and what it looks like now on the backside of divorce. And again, to just change it again on them, I, I get that. And there's no doubt again, ongoing conversations probably for the rest of our lives as to, you know, do you love her more than us? Is she more important than us? Is your new baby more important than us? I mean, those are just ongoing things that can pop up still.
0: Yeah. And it's hard because just say, for instance, when you were married before and your wife had these daughters, maybe you worked a different job. Say you were a salesman and you were on the road a lot. And then now, say the situation is not the same where you have more time to spend with the baby. And they could look at that as a negative.
4: That's, that's exactly what's happened. And, you know, there there was my mar- marriage, previous marriage was a situation of one thing where it was a very busy work schedule for me. I was not physically there. Um, as much as I would have liked and, and wanted to be. And um, so there's no doubt it's very different. And we ask that question all the time. We're like, oh my goodness, do you think you know I'm trying to show this model of, of being a good husband and what that looks like and this model of being a good father? But oftentimes we wonder, are they under their breath or subconsciously resenting something that I'm doing, uh, I think, very well with with our baby? do they look at that and say, well, I, he didn't do that with us. Mm -hmm. And is that kind of damage things?
0: What about your relationship with your ex? Do you think she feeds that of, oh, well, your dad never did that with y'all or. Uh, It's hard to
4: know. And we do all get along and and do pretty well on paper. Um, Everybody understood on both sides of that equation that we keep the ugliness away from them. If whatever ugliness there is, Jessica gets, gets along with my ex well, and we can be in the same space we can yeah. always do those things so we we think we put on a good front but so whatever happens in the other household no one really ever knows
3: yeah i mean
4: um, we I, I do yeah. th- i do think there's been lessons there that they've learned um maybe even broader than just that with me and maybe more towards just kind of the the role that a mom and a female plays and the role that a may all plays. And so maybe there's a little bit larger lesson that's trying to be taught there. But I I think there's at least at some level, some sort of some subconscious, not even sometimes even rewriting of history, Mm -hmm. where I, I think that whether it's just overt comments being made or subtleties to where it probably does make that a little bit worse. And even when we've heard comments before, where one of my daughters has kind of said, "Well, this never happened, or he never did this," and and I'm, I'm like, "No, I absolutely did," and um, they just don't quite remember it, mm-hmm. you know. And whether that was skewed by the X or not, that's that's hard to say.
0: I've done some research on memories, and your memories are not always accurate. Yeah, and it's funny when I was doing some of this research, I was talking to some of David's kids. And I said, if we sit you all down and talk about an event that we all remember, each one of you is going to have a different memory. And that memory may not be accurate. It may be something that you've convinced yourself of, or you thought about it so much that you've created that memory.
1: Yeah,
3: I think that's very interesting. I think, because I'll ask them, you know, I'm, I'm very open to talking about their childhood with them when they want to talk about it, or when they want to look at pictures or whatever, and I'll ask them stuff, and they kind of each have their own take on their childhood, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So uh, yeah, I think that's very accurate.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because my sister and I, she'll say, yeah, I remember daddy said that y'all couldn't get a pool because mama was pregnant with me. I'm like, no, I specifically remember sitting with the pool (laughs) guy at the kitchen table. You were already born. You know, because it's like in my head, I see the brochure he showed us with the car sitting on the deck. I'm like, you were already born. (laughs) There's no doubt in my mind. And so, you know, I'd ask my dad and he's like, she's crazy. (laughs) 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 But apparently somebody along the way told her that. And now that's her memory. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I did find it interesting on the form you filled out for me that, Jessica, you referred to Um, his ex as the ex-wife-in-law
3: is that not the politically correct name for what she is like in the blended family world
0: I've never heard that phrase
3: really that oh I don't know where I heard that but I was like that's what she is she's my ex-wife-in-law
0: I love it though yeah especially since you get along with her because I would never call my stepkids mom anything like you know
3: I don't know what else to call her to people like I guess that's it just that to me I'm like that's what she is she's My
0: Mm ex-wife-in-law. Well, there's a lady that um, we do some work with, and her name is Bobby Wilcox, and she wrote a book on reconciling, and she calls her ex-husband the (laughs) husband. That's funny. I'm like, that's awesome. That is. So yeah, you've gave me some new terminology here, the ex-wife-in-law. Yeah,
3: ex-wife-in-law,
0: yeah. But see, most of the stepmoms don't get along with the ex, and they're like, I'm not even acting like I'm have anything to do with her she's not in my vocabulary
3: oh yeah I'm very like I said we we're very fortunate like I think one of the things that I was able to do with her off the bat was kind of show her that I am not trying to take her place um that I defer to her a lot Uh, probably one of the I think a bridging moment for me and her was when uh the girls were my bridesmaids when we got married And I took them to get bridesmaid dresses and let them pick exactly what they wanted, like the style and the color and whatever. And they each picked a strapless dress and they were young teenage girls. Like they were, when we got married, they were, or when we did this, they were like 14, 13 and 12 or something, or 13, 14 and 11. They were younger and they all picked a strapless dress and they needed strapless brawls. And I, you know, asked Mark for her phone number and reached out to her and just said just kind of threw the ball in her court. They picked these dresses. I want them to wear what they want to wear, but they need strapless bras. I know that's a very special thing with a mom and a teenage girl, especially young teenage girls. Do you want to go take them bra shopping? I'm more than happy to do it, but I want to defer to you first. Mm -hmm. And then I can either reimburse you for the bras or whatever. Just let me know what you would like me to do. And she was just so appreciative of that, that I did that, that, since then we've had a very good working back and forth, respectful relationship to the point where one of my stepdaughters has referred to us as friends, where she was like, you and mama are just friends. And, uh, my other stepdaughter has made comments. Like, I don't know what I would do if y'all didn't get along the way that y'all did.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
3: and I make sure that I always tell my ex-wife-in-law these comments when I hear them to just kind of let her know that we're doing a good job with our relationship.
4: And it's, it's, you know, she's a, Jessica is a good person and this would come from her heart regardless, but there's also just an awareness there just to say we understand when, when the, when my daughters have a relationship with their mom, they do a wonderful relationship. They're close to her mom that we know you know, bio mom wins and it's just you You just have to respect that relationship, even if it were more challenging. Um, but we would still have to try our best and work, do whatever we could to preserve that relationship, because if there is animosity between one thing between me and my ex-wife, and we still, again, try to avoid that at all levels, never talk bad about each other as best we know in front of the kids and all. But if there were ever challenges between stepmom and bio mom, you know, stepmom loses, mm-hmm. uh, at least in this situation. We all know that. So I think it, it also just helps build respect for Jessica uh, with the girls and just understanding and, and really teaching life lessons too about how we can be bigger than all of this and and what's best for the kids. It's like, we really do want to be healthy for the kids and to preserve it as healthy of a relationship and, and model the best behavior we can, because we've all seen otherwise in our own lives. And yeah. even my, my parents, we didn't talk about my background, but my parents were divorced right after college and, you know, remarried kind of, you know, at a later point in, in, in life um, than we're talking about here. And still to this day, you know, some uh, 20,
0: 20 something times. years
4: later. We can hardly put them in the same room, and I am a grown-up adult male who still it still stresses me out and creates all these issues till at this point. So I think we, it, it's it's really important to recognize that even if you're just not this amazing sweet person like Jessica is, uh, just the wisdom in preserving that relationship and how important it is or can be when the children are still very close to their you know bioparent parent, like
0: that. Right. I remember. Um Let's see, my mom and dad got divorced when I was 30, 31. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And I don't care how old you are. It's hard. Yeah. And you feel like you have to choose. Well, I'm a daddy's girl. I might as well have it tattooed on my forehead. I'm a daddy's girl. And I remember my mom trying to talk to me about some of the things going on with them as they were getting divorced. And I told her, I said, I'm your daughter, not your friend. Because again, being a daddy's girl, her bashing my dad did nothing but push me further away from her.
4: That's exactly what happened with me. And I had, I, I made that same statement verbatim, except for I said, I'm your son, not your friend. That's mm-hmm. not my role. And um, so yeah, your and, and yours came even you know several years after mine did. And it's just, it's always difficult and it's interesting how much it still affects our family today um in that we have to try to avoid having them all in the same room and here we have this child and have all these grandparents and it's going to be a stressful whatever to have everybody together for a birthday party or something like yeah. that and it, and it, and it even and it affects my daughters as well because everybody just feels the stress and we're like oh goodness what are they what are they gonna do yeah to- everybody
3: How everybody is aware hyper aware of it like and everybody gets uncomfortable when they are all together and it the girls will just shut down mm-hmm. like it's just it's hard to manage. It
4: helps give us it perspective on and, and what not to do. Keep that in mind yeah. all the time of saying, we don't ever want to be that. Um, we may have our own challenges and all, but let's make sure that, that our that, you know, the girls, not nobody as ever uncomfortable saying, oh my goodness, I don't want them in the same room because it's just awkward. And we don't, you know, it, it's not that.
0: It is great that you get along with the ex and that y'all, have done that with the relationship,
4: and there, and there. Don't get me wrong; there's still challenges, and yeah. particularly in the financial arena, and and it, it. We have to talk through it all the time of saying, "Okay, here's this whatever scenario that's taking place," and you know, more often than not, we take the high road, and odds are we're paying for something, and just kind of don't get credited for it if that makes sense mm-hmm. and the girls forget about uh, child support and all of these things and as they 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 kind of get a lot of stories about woe was us um, uh, at their moms in terms of, of financial situation and then their mom will go make purchases and do things that don't align with that mm-hmm. and you know and we end up saying hey you know we we pay for school and and we so far have bought everyone's cars and we do these things and and we don't get credit for it and that's that's definitely i have i have to bite my tongue because again, I don't want to do what, what we both experienced where again, parents were telling us these things because mm-hmm. they're just not going to be, even if it's the truth, they're not super receptive at this point of me saying, hey, I need you to remember that I'm paying for all these things and such and such. They're going to still defend their mom and say, well, their mom, my, you know, our mom works part-time because she wanted to be home after school with us. And they'll, they'll find ways to justify her inability to pay for something or, cho- or um, the fact that she chose not to and put it on us, something like that. So I just, again have to just try to think if I can just be patient with that with maturity and as they understand how the world works as they get older and look back on things I hope that maybe they'll have a little bit different perspective when they look back and do realize how much we contributed without sitting there shoving it in front of their face saying well your mom doesn't do this and and doesn't pay for this you realize all these things because that's just not going to help right but I have to kind of, we both have to bite our tongue often when we see those kind of things happen. So even though we get along, we're still fighting yeah. it every day of saying, let's make sure we continue to get along and don't jump up and point out or nickel and dime everything or or whatever. You
0: know? mm-hmm. And it's hard because you don't want to nickel and dime everything, but you also know those nickels and dimes adds up. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: It's definitely a struggle. Yeah. And I want to ask you, Jessica, because... They're not your kids. So, financially, you're contributing to a household that I'm assuming you help pay for some things.
3: Yeah, I would say I'm pretty much like we're both 50 50 paying for this household to run.
0: So, how do you feel about that? I've had to learn
3: to let it go. I mean, I can't, I can't drive myself into a depression or anxiety or rage or whatever about the unfairness of it that's just kind of my lot as being a stepmom where I just can't let those things get the best of me anymore mm-hmm. I really really struggled with the lack of like like things like chores and accountability and responsibility and family dinners and I was just like well you know I'm the paying for all this stuff. And I just want to have a family dinner. Why can't we sit down and have a family dinner? Why don't they do chores? Why aren't they accountable for these things? And I just had to like, let it go. Like, I'm just like, there's not with a lot of counseling and a lot of conversations with my counselor slash life mentor person about, it's just not worth the anxiety and anger that it was causing me. And it was causing more problems between me and Mark Mm -hmm. than it was worth. So I realized that me getting my panties in a knot about, you know, I'm contributing towards their very expensive private school. I just had to be like, this is just my lot in life right now and just make the best of it and put a good face forward. And the most important thing is to make my marriage be sustainable. I can't be fighting with my husband every other day about somebody's dirty room mm-hmm. or a disgusting bathroom or the fact that they don't come down and have dinner with me. That's not doing anybody any good. It's just getting me upset. It's getting me and my husband in an, an angry, unhappy place in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Then that resentment then trickles over into the vibe of the household. The girls get more uncomfortable. It's a snowball effect. It is. So it it, t- it really, really is. So I've just had to kind of learn to just be, this is what it is. I pay for these things. The girls know that I contribute financially. They understand it, but I don't get any of the recognition of I help contribute towards a household or that because of that, the things that are important to me should be important to them.
0: Right. And I want to talk to you about that because a lot of what you're talking about is part of the Nacho Kids method. Yeah. The letting it go. Yeah. And a lot of people I see in the Facebook group will say, oh, so nachoing is just being a doormat.
3: No, it's not. It's a state of mind. Like you just have to see the bigger picture and play the long game. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. I think one of the things that I realized was that if they're not doing something with their mom, there's no way in the world they're going to do it with me. If they're not sitting down and having family dinner with their mom on that side, they're not going to sit down with their stepmom and have dinner with me. Mm -hmm. That foundation of the things that they grew up doing affect our household, like when I said in my pamphlet thing or my questionnaire to you was our family and our house is built off of a broken family and a broken house. And I have to live with that every single day. Mm -hmm. So just like stepkids live with the divorce every day, stepmoms live with the divorce every single day.
0: Right. And you also had a good point on your questionnaire too about stepmoms grieving.
3: Oh my goodness. Yeah. A lot of grieving.
0: Yes. You grieve the relationship that you thought you would have as a nuclear family?
3: Oh yeah. I remember my one sister is a nucleus family and her family is extremely tight knit. Like they have family game night. They go on like, they just, they have dinner together all the time. Like they're just extremely, extremely, extremely close. But I, I remember coming home from visiting her one, once in the last year or so and just sobbing And being like, my family's never going to function like that. We're never going to sit down and have dinner and then play aggravation for two hours and laugh and talk and have that kind of interaction. That's just not how the girls grew up of doing these types of family togetherness activities. They didn't, they're not accustomed to it. So I can't come in midstream and say, Hey, now it's family game night. They're going to look at me like, or they did look at me like I had Mm -hmm. 17 heads. Like we're not doing that. And just having to grieve that loss of my family is never going to really be the way that I either thought it was going to be or want it to be.
0: Right. And it's hard because nobody grows up thinking they're going to be a stepmom. Oh, yeah. Nobody grows up thinking they're going to deal with the ex being a butt the rest of their life. Nobody. Grows up thinking, oh, my kid's going to go to their dad's every other week or every other weekend.
3: Yeah, I don't know how my husband deals with that. Now having my own baby, it's made me that much more committed to, I mean, I was very, very committed to our marriage to begin with. But after having a child and seeing what the girls go through with the back and forth and the loyalty pulls and all the things that they go through, there's nothing that's going to make me not prioritize our marriage because I never want my child to go through that.
0: Yes, because you see it. You see the yeah. impact it has.
3: Like day in and day out.
0: I see a lot of stepmoms in Facebook groups, not just my Facebook group. They'll say, I don't like that my husband doesn't make his kids, you know, do chores or like you said, eat dinner with us or whatever. And they're thinking, they have a child with this man, but they're thinking about leaving. That makes no sense to me.
3: No, it doesn't.
0: Because you're going to lose... At least every other weekend with your kid, if not more. And your kid's still going to be exposed to these poor behaviors of the stepkids. It's not going to put them back in this bubble.
3: Yeah. No, I understand. That's that's what I was saying, basically. Like, it doesn't fix it. Just it furthers the cycle.
0: Mm-hmm. It does. So, Jessica, did you come in?
3: No. I. So, I was never the heavy to them. I've never gotten into... We've always set it up as she's not your mom. She doesn't want to be your mom. She's just another woman in your life that loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. That's the way we've always pitched it. That's the way we've always executed it. But as we became married and a a family living under one roof, I would try to parent through Mark being they aren't cleaning up after they are in the kitchen. They don't put their dishes in the dishwasher. They don't clean their rooms. They come and go and don't tell us where they're going or don't tell me and I'm the one home. People just show up at the house and come and go and it it freaks me out and they don't give me the common courtesy of, hey, so-and-so is coming over. So I would try to parent through him versus taking my things directly to them because I was trying to preserve my relationship with them. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yes. Did they know that it was coming from you? I don't know. Because see David's kids knew.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, because his kids were thinking, you never cared about this before. And then Lori comes in the picture. And then all of a sudden, you're telling us to do this. It's got to come from Lori.
3: Want to have feedback on that, my friend? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean,
4: the interesting thing here also is that um, the our baby really accelerated that parenting. So before we had our baby, not that there was no comments ever um, or you know, just pointing out things like that. But still, she was kind of in this limbo saying, I don't have any biological children. Even though she's very insightful, like our argument in the beginning is she would have insight on some situation and I would at some level dismiss it. And saying, well, you know, you don't have your own kids and you're new to this. I don't think I would use, uh, hopefully I said it a little, not quite so bluntly, but in one, some way or another, I'm sure I would dismiss her and just say, I don't think you quite understand this parenting dynamic yet. Mm -hmm. And I know that was frustrating for her. So when we had the baby and she did become a parent, um, that was an overnight, that like literally five minutes later, she was far more vocal. In those opinions. And, um, you know, again, in hindsight, her insight was often right on the money and she was unfairly dismissed. You know, so a lot of that was just a journey I went through of understanding um, A, I certainly don't have all the answers, and B, she just had a different perspective, and that perspective can often be helpful because I only see it one way and I'm kind of locked in this. So, but yeah, that was one of our biggest challenges is really that we didn't have down on paper or didn't understand yet was differences in parenting style.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: And that came from a lot, of, a lot of different places. But ultimately, once it was all out on the table, okay, what are we going to do with that? Because now there's conflict between us, like we've said, and it can affect our marriage because she kind of wants to really pinpoint these things. And I'll tell you what's it's not poor bio dad. But what I would try to explain is, gosh, I'm getting it from every angle because I'm still got my own kids and that challenge. And when I'm trying to get them to do things or whatever, those just conflicts are and challenges there. And then I turn around and here it is my my wife saying, you know what, they're not doing this and this is unacceptable and I need this and I need, you know, so and oftentimes those two things were at odds Mm -hmm. and felt very stressed out about that. And she felt kind of unheard Mm -hmm. um, that I didn't really, again, know at the time that she felt unheard. She felt, Hey, I don't really have a voice in this. And then I felt torn between not just horribly at odds sides, but still just trying to find this balance that will keep my wife happy and fit her uh, what she wants or sees as, as this should thinks this should look like and not just totally turning my kids' lives upside down. And yeah, they knew where it came from because of course, I'm not going to suddenly say, hey, this is an important thing uh, that we've never done before. And <laughs> here we need to do. It. I mean, they they're smart enough to know that. Yeah. And um and there's times I would really have to push an agenda because I was getting a lot of pressure from Jessica. And I would push that agenda and it would, you know, be a challenge. So that's something we still work through, but still as we we fall back on you know, uh, this methodology, for lack of a better term, of learning how to let certain things go. um, But as a a husband, I definitely had to hear the fact that she was not feeling heard um, in that environment, that she could feel alone in this house, like she really wasn't a part of it because I could so easily dismiss her or say, you know what, you haven't earned your right to to do that. And although we still, her role is still not going to be disciplining them and there, there, there still is a line there, but hopefully at this point, you know, we approach it much, much differently. And I really try to take her, listen to her insight. And, but it, but I almost, I think she learned to where I I have to freely get it. If I mean, I have to freely ask for it, excuse me, if she comes in and leads, with her insight, then I'm more likely to get offended and feel it's somehow a rejection. as her telling me I'm a bad parent. Yes. We had that fight a lot um, where I'm like, okay, you're basically saying I'm, I'm a bad dad. And even if it's what she's saying is accurate, she wasn't saying I'm a bad father. It was just this particular point, but I often would get that feeling and then I would put up the walls, I would get defensive and it was an argument. So we kind of learned together to where then if she can bite her tongue a little bit And then I've now realized again, how insightful she can be. Then hope, I hope most of the time now I can actually come to her and say, okay, help me with this. Or what is your opinion on this? And it's not her forcing it on me, which just ended up every time in every time in a fight between us.
3: I think what I realized was that the whole, one of the things that I had to work with my counselor on was the hill to die on thing. Mm -hmm. I guess I didn't realize how good in the grand scheme of blended families, are blended family functions. And then realizing that it's really common, the things that I was going through, the things that I was feeling, the more that I felt validated in my feelings, the more I could let go of my anger or resentment. And then just prioritizing, like, what do I really, really want? Do I really care that their rooms look like a bomb went off? Or do I want to have a good relationship with them? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Kind of finding that balance. It doesn't affect me if their rooms are dirty or if their bathrooms are dirty, because that's not my living space. It's their living space. If they want to live like that, that's fine. I want to be able to have good relationships with my stepdaughters, have special bonds with them. And it's not worth the nitpicky, small and like small, short-sighted things for a long-term relationship. I want my stepdaughters to know that they can talk to me about anything that I'm a safe person. Right. And it doesn't matter if they don't eat dinner with me, as long as I'm proactively chasing them and trying to spend time with them when I can on their terms. So it's just kind of a give and take and learning what the most important thing is to you. The most important thing to me is, is to have a real meaningful relationship with them. Not if their rooms are clean.
0: Right. Right. Yes.
3: Yeah, it's easy to just get sucked down into that path of this is not acceptable. This isn't how my household ran as a child. This isn't what I'm used to. It's really easy to just get sucked down into the very nitpicky small things mm-hmm. and get lost in the details versus looking at a big picture of what you're trying to accomplish as a blended family because you're already up against so much more complications than a nucleus family.
0: Right. And, you know, a lot of times step moms especially will say, well, I'm OCD and I can't handle the mess. Uh, well, with all due respect, that's your issue.
3: Yeah, that was my issue too. I felt like it was, I would be like, it's disrespectful, but it's not. It's their teenage girls. They don't want to their, their priority is not keeping their room clean. Their priority is their friends and going out and what football game is this weekend and who's dating who and right. who am I taking to prom and are my nails done? And they're just not developed in that way yet where those things that are a priority to me are gonna be a priority to them.
0: Right. And I think in the beginning when we first come in and we're saying you need to make your kids clean up and you know they need to do chores and have responsibility- we're doing it because we really feel like they should have these things.
3: Yeah, I would like there are good ways to to teach all these skills of being independent and taking care of themselves, especially as women. It's very important for young women to be independent and know how to, you know, do be well rounded and do everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was definitely. We're not setting them up for long-term success if they don't know how to keep their room clean or know how to cook or have accountability and responsibility within a family unit. I felt like it was, we are not doing our job as a parent and setting them up for long-term success if they don't have these check the box things that they should be doing around the house.
0: Right. And in the beginning, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, but it can come across as nagging and judging you as a parent, whereas now that you have been together longer. Jessica can say some of the same things that before were considered judgmental towards you, but now you realize it's coming from a place of love for your kids.
4: And de- yeah. Definitely a process to walk through. And it, and it involved both of us stepping back and, and trying to see the other perspective, you know, to get to that. And I'll add to it also, and I think we alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I think it was easy for her to see more of a I don't know a contractual relationship. Day one, too, where it's like, look at what I'm contributing already. Look at what I contribute financially. Look at what I contribute in terms of cooking food for you and all these things. And mm-hmm. and seemed to look for this reciprocal thing. And we had that conversation where I said, "Hey, that is one thing I will try to say. At my insight is going to be helpful. Is that parenting is not reciprocal, at least not in its early stages, and you're going to give." Ninety-nine percent of the time, and you'll 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 have those moments. And it's, again, I've got great kids, and they do things to surprise you and whatever. But you're certainly you cannot look at it from that perspective. Like, well, we have some sort of agreement where if I fix this food or I'm contributing to this financially, you now need to keep your room clean and do these things. Again, parenting style and all those things. But from a perspective of a step parent stepping in and having that expectation, that kind of need needed to be worked. As well, but yeah, with time and it took us help. We could we didn't yeah. just do that on our own. That was a that was a big pit, pivot point for us in our counseling that we got. And again, that even that concept of saying, "Gosh, we're on paper. What's this great you know uh, blended family?" Well, it's hard on all of us, and and I know there's ch- situations that are far more challenging. But we all struggle. It's never as easy as we think. So, yeah, we realized we needed help. And um, because no one else has exactly your scenario and it's just it forums just like this that that make us all realize, wow, these are similar similar things that I'm going through. And and once we realize that that was a big step. And yes, it is much not perfect, but still, it's far more likely to be able to have a a really two way meaningful conversation about a point now where I just won't walk away angry, feeling that I'm being told I'm a bad parent, or she won't walk away feeling she is ignored or dismissed. I hope we're much better at that um, and can hit on that more often.
0: now. Yes, it does. It takes time. I know with David's kids, in the beginning, I did love them. It's not like I didn't, but I did want to come in and have that structure and you need to make them have responsibilities. It's like you said, Jessica, you want them to grow up and be outstanding young men and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's funny because that is biting me in the butt so much now with my son. Because when David's kids were like 14 or something, he would fix their breakfast. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they are 14 years old. They can fix their own breakfast. (laughs) And then when my sweet baby boy turn 14 and be like what do you want for breakfast darling
3: <laughs> yeah I can see that I like trying to keep myself in check of with Grant even though he's two and a half not always just following him around picking up after him trying to make him pick up after himself because I'm like if I don't do that I'm doing the same thing almost or well you know what I'm saying like it's yeah he needs to pick up his little toy cars or whatever when he's done playing with them. It's like instinctual that I want to just take care and do everything for him. And it's like me actively being like, no, Grant, come back here and put something away before we move on to the next thing that we're doing. Mm -hmm. So I have to really keep myself in check to make sure that I'm asking him the same things that I was trying to ask of the others.
0: Yes. And it's like when you find a dirty plate on the table. If it's the stepdaughters, it'll fire you up a little bit. If it's your kids, it's, oh, he must have been in a hurry. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah. and then you know the other piece of this is just that there's two households to
0: manage. And, yes, you
4: know, it, we, we the breakfast thing and the lunch thing makes me laugh because it's still my teenage daughters. You know, they their mom prepares their lunches for them, and it was pretty much I don't. I'm of the that camp that says, hey, you fix your own lunch, learn how to provide for yourself, you can handle it. And, you know, we, we were pretty much, I think, looked at some sort of uh, ogres for the longest time because we did not prepare the lunch every day. So that's just a whole nother, another element to consider in this is regardless of what you do, the household rules on the other side may be completely different. Yeah. And we can't really have that conversation, even though we get along with my ex, we're not going to sit there and have a powwow about, well, let's, let's talk about what your chores are over there and how you're, you know how often do you make them clean? or just not at that level. And so regardless of what we do, it still might look very different from somewhere else. And then that just makes your efforts even that much
0: more complicated. Yeah. I still remember the emails David would get. The kids hate coming there because you make them clean up and treat them like slaves. Y'all, they had, with all the kids, they would have one chore night. One of them was to dust the living room. I mean, it takes a whole four minutes, and that's if you do it right. So, you know, they weren't doing it right. So, it took a whole two minutes. It was just crazy. But see, she didn't make them do any of that stuff. And so, then they would go to her house and be like, Yeah, daddy and Lori make us do this and do that, and make it sound like we have them in here, you know, cleaning the baseboards with toothbrushes or something. (laughs)
4: And and we had that conversation before. It's the same thing where I was fearful of that saying, "Okay, what I don't want is I don't want them to come over here. And we hit them with, you know, again, particularly when this was new and she'd be like, they need to do this. And then they're here for five seconds and, you know, they're going to be in their rooms in 10 seconds. So I have that first moment. Hey, how are you? Oh, by the way, you need to do this, 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 and this. And mm-hmm. I was just very cognizant of that, saying, I don't want to hit them with their chore list as soon as they get here, or they're gonna not want to be here. Right. It's an ongoing thing, but but some level now of letting go. And again, they're gonna to go to college. We're we're very interested to watch my my first one was pretty, she was good about all of this. My next one is the most challenged. <laughs> so We're going to see how uh, she starts college in August um, and we're going to, it'll be interesting to see how she deals with a roommate and uh, um, keeping her own room clean and things, you know, in there and she'll, she'll learn herself. I'm, I'm looking forward to that moment and hopefully she'll learn some lessons and maybe, maybe appreciate some of the comments and things we were asking her to do.
0: Well, it's like I always say, you plant the seeds. Yeah. And that's all you can do. I know Branson's here for a couple of weeks and David came in there the other day. He's like, come here. You want to see Branson cleaning up his own mess? (laughs) (laughs) Mark, what would you say would be your best advice to your buddy down the road that's getting ready to marry this awesome girl like Jessica and he's got three kids and kind of the same situation? What would you tell him? Kind of what would you wish somebody would have told you?
4: Again, just... (laughs) be ready to manage expectations. And, and I, I hate to make it sound negative, but just to be ready for disappointment, that if there are these these delusions of grandeur in terms of just thinking, hey, this is gonna be the perfect family, and because we have this and this, or I'm this kind of person, or these kids are this way, that you know, we're not gonna be like the, those people down the street. You know, we're gonna be where it's gonna be perfect, and we're all gonna be a big happy family. And just managing expectations of saying, look, it is going to be a lifelong journey. There will be ups and downs. There will be. Moments when things are glorious and you've got it all figured out and you've done everything correctly, and there are moments five seconds later where it's all kind of unraveling and everyone you know seems to be at odds. So first, just hey, manage expectations and understand that that um, you cannot achieve perfection in this, and there will be challenges um, and balances that are really difficult to pull off at times and then ultimately it's never priority where one thing is more important than the other but just like we we understand we have to put our oxygen mask on ourselves first on the plane there is an element of of self-help and attention to your marriage that i think everything else can stem from so if if you go at this of with a us and them sort of scenario Um, our mindset. If it's like, Hey, I've got my daughters and that's our thing. And then my wife is this thing. And, and we separate these things and we're able to um, compartmentalize these things. I, I just personally don't, don't think that's the way to go. I think it's, it's understanding that you're in it together and that if you don't serve your wife, if you don't understand the challenges that, that she's going to face, you're, you're going to be in trouble. And, you know, I I think I did that initially is just not, again, not understanding that she needed to be, to, to be heard, not understanding just like, Hey, yeah, I, I think I've said the words, gosh, you, you signed up for this. Ooh. You know, what did you expect? <laughs> you know, I'm sure I said that. Yeah. I'm not sure that went over extremely well. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's like, why are you surprised if, if, you know, and, and it, it just, I just didn't get her perspective. And equally there's times again, I don't think she, like we've said already, that where she understood mine, but that's not my that's not my battle. My battle is saying if, if I'm gonna get into this situation and I'm gonna marry and devote my life to this person. And I've been divorced. I don't want that to happen again. So this is a lifelong commitment that we're making that I have to prioritize that relationship, not over my children, but understand that if I am healthy and we are healthy as a couple, then we are far more likely to walk the best path as a blended family and with our kids. And I think um, it took help. Again, you you're, don't feel like you're the only ones that are, cha- that are, yeah. that are challenged. being challenged with yeah. these things. Don't keep to yourself once these challenges start happening, because they will, And, you know, if you can do that, that sounds like a lot, but if you can prioritize your marriage, your relationship and your own health, again, your own peace of mind, find time to do the things I do, I have my things and I guarantee you, I'm going to get those things done as busy as I am. If I lose the things that, that keep me happy and sane, then, then, um, you know, life will be challenging. So if you can do that and you can serve your marriage, then you're in a much stronger foundational place to face the daily challenges of this blended family. And I hope that's specific enough. I know that kind of may sound a little bit ambiguous, but it's just going to be different. It's like, we all know so much of life. I'm telling my kids a similar story as you go to college and all of these things is we all think things are going to map out a certain way. And like you said earlier, you didn't, as a kid, you didn't say, "Hey, I want to be step parent," mm-hmm. and I certainly didn't say, hey, "I want to be divorced" or "I want to, you know, have my kids half the time" or all of those things. None of this is what how we would have drawn out our our life story. So it changes, and uh, you just have to understand that. So even with this, we were both the type of personalities that had this mapped out and had a, a pretty good vision of what we thought it would be. And guess what? It was it was very very different. So um, that's all. And just accept help. Uh, work on yourself. Work on your relationship. Understand your partner's perspective, and um, you know, do not be dismissive of that. Or or have a have a line in the sand where this is us this is the bio world here that's the step world over there you don't get to play in this sandbox it's surprising to me and some of the co- calls and things I've been on with other dads in these in blended families and how many still have such segmented relationships and we keep our finances separate and we do all these things separate and, and it's just kind of um those are the things that that I I don't know that I would be able to to work through those scenarios if it's if we're not all in this together. So, so that's what I would say. I don't know if that would, hopefully would, would, would actually help people and uh, be specific enough.
0: I think so. And I think it's perfect because one of the things you talk about was expectations. Yeah. And I often say in a blend have zero expectations.
3: Like zero, like less than zero, like negative 10.
0: Exactly. And then people will come back and say, oh, no, you have to have expectations. That's ridiculous. I'm like, okay, I have the expectation they won't kill me in my sleep. That's good. Yeah. Because anything (laughs) else, you you set yourself up for disappointment. And, you know, a lot of times the things we expect out of our spouses or out of our stepkids or whatever is unrealistic because we're not in their shoes.
3: Yes, I had very, very unrealistic expectations. And that would definitely bit me in the butt Multiple times until I was able to finally wrap my mind around what reasonable things were, what unreasonable things weren't. You know what I mean? Like, I just Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. really had to kind of be like, this is not working where I want it to be. So I just need to accept where it is. So, and just work on the whole long term relationships that I'm trying to foster with my stepdaughters. Like, if I met a woman who was in my situation, I would be like, are you sure you want to do it?
0: Oh, we're all sure in the beginning, girl.
3: You're all sure in the beginning. And then I would just probably say you have to find support because you cannot go through it alone because it's such an isolating role to begin with. You feel on an island sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you need to find other stepmoms. You need to find the right counselors that jive with your personality. You need the help. Like you can't get through it on your own. Like it it takes a village to raise A child, it takes a village to make a blended family work. Mm -hmm. Like you just need to find your tribe of women that understand what you're going through. Like find a stepmom support group, which I've done. Find a counselor that specifically works with blended families. Read the resources you need to read. And then just like Mark said, you have to prioritize your marriage. Like that has to be your main focus is having a healthy marriage because the best gift that you can give your stepchildren is a happy home. And you can't do that if you're fighting all the time over whose room is clean, whose bathroom is dirty, who's not coming down for dinner. Like, it, those things are just not important in the grand scheme of a functioning blended family. And I'm not saying like they should be disrespectful. Like, there obviously are things that you, you shouldn't tolerate, like disrespect right. certain rules in the household, whatever. But things like that, they're not big picture things, you know, like you just need to learn to be like Elsa and let it go. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I know. That's what I think about every time somebody says that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think sometimes people confuse putting your marriage first or making your marriage a priority as, for instance, you telling Mark, you need to make them do chores. And that the only way that's going to make your marriage a priority is if he makes them do the things you tell him. And that's not it at all.
3: No, it's not at all. I mean, like things that Mark and I do, we have a monthly date night. We try to draw back to each other on why we fell in love, why we love each other, why we're committed to this. So you have to make, when I'm saying make your marriage a priority, make your relationship a priority. Like, yes, have fun with each other. Mm-hmm. Make that a priority. Be intimate with each other. Make that a priority. You just have to make time for each other more than your kids, just because otherwise your kids will suffer in the long run.
0: Right, because if you focus on more of what the stepkids are doing wrong, then you're going to lose that love you have for your significant other because all of a sudden they've turned into this, quote, weakling that won't even parent their kids. Well, that's not the case. They're the same person that you fell in love with. You're just looking at them differently.
3: Yeah. And I think too, like understanding the parent guilt um, that yes, uh, biological parents deal with when after they go through a divorce, that's something that I really had to learn about and understand and be compassionate about when I do approach Mark about something is I know that you're scared of not being close with your girls. I know that you feel guilty about the fact that you had a failed marriage and approaching my conversations from that perspective of, I know that you wrestle with all of these things and you're, you know, dealing with these things on a daily basis in your mind. So I'm only saying these things because I'm concerned about this, mm-hmm. not because I'm trying to say that you're failing as a parent or you're continuing to
0: fail. Right. And I want to say something about something Mark said to Mark, but one thing you mentioned was about the separate families. And I know with us, we often say that we really are separate families. You've got me and Jackson, David and his kids, me and David. But you also have the relationships that I have kind of fostered with his kids and that Jackson has fostered with his kids. And a lot of times people will try so hard to make that nuclear family that they're miserable. Yeah, that's where I was. I was miserable. One thing that we often say is it's okay if for you and your kids just to go on vacation and the other person not go. But I think when I think talk about this and with your situation, if Jessica would have brought a kid in to the relationship, it would be the kind of yours and mine. Yeah. But since she came in and didn't have children, it makes it easier in some ways to blend.
3: Yes. And that was some of the comments that I got from my stepdaughters was it just flows better was the word that was used. It flows better on daddy side. Mm -hmm. And I can understand that considering what the The other factors that are going on on their mom's side. And I think too, like the back and forth, like that has to be so hard. My sisters talk about that a lot where they're just, I have no idea. My sisters have a heart for my, for my stepdaughters because they feel like they can relate to them to a certain degree. But then they're like, you know, we didn't have to go back and forth. We don't know what that, what stresses that causes them. And I don't even know what it causes them. I'm sure it's very painful to go back and forth two days here, two days there, three days here, three days there. That has to be very hard for, it would be hard for an adult to manage, Mm -hmm. let
0: alone a child. Right. We expect children to be able to handle things that we can't handle. Yeah.
4: And blending, you know, to your point, blending doesn't always mean it's always all of us. And mm-hmm. uh, again, Jessica does a good job of helping keep me on point with that because I might, I don't know, just trying to be efficient and we're all busy, whatever, so we can all do this together or whatever. And she's helpful in suggesting and prodding me to say, hey, why don't you have a daddy-daughter date with you know just this daughter? Or why don't you do just this? And she realized the same thing about her relationship with them also. It's our our most meaningful moments, especially for her. And I know I'm speaking for her, but I think she would agree especially for her, those most meaningful stepmom, stepdaughter moments have been in, in that one-on-one time. Yes, definitely. You can, you can just get, get to a point where you can have a real conversation and you don't have to balance all of that full blended dynamic. And even when you just get my daughters together, they then kind of have this sibling, unit.
3: Yeah. sibling
4: thing, and they can be talking to each other in ways that you don't even understand, and they're doing whatever. So once you're able to have one isolated, it's a different story. So that's still, even though I talk about, hey, I don't want to compartmentalize and all those things, it's, it's also balanced with uh, the need to serve each one individually, just like I serve our relationship individually, I still have to kind of do that with them and and, and help them understand. Okay, you can have a relationship with with Daddy, with that's not or at least at this moment has nothing to do with Jessica or, you know, our, our baby or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sense. And, and again, she's, she, she has to remind me of that because I'll, I'll tend to just try to get us all together and try to force that issue. And, and certainly work every time we have yeah. solid one-on-one time, whether it's her or me with the girls.
0: Right. And you both mentioned having support. And of course, I definitely agree with that 100%. The one thing you have to be careful of is if that support is a Facebook group.
3: Oh, that can be so toxic. Yeah, you have to have a good non-toxic.
0: Yes, because you're going to have somebody on there that says, I'd throw that crap away. Yeah. Okay, go throw your stepkid stuff away. Let us know how that works out for your marriage later. Exactly. Or you have the issues where, and this even happened to me. After I'd even reengaged, I had a time that I would be in a group And I would read somebody's post, and it was a trigger for me. Yes. So it's like, and I call it post-traumatic stepmom disorder, because I would come home mad because this person's kids did something that David's kids did 10 years ago.
3: Yeah, I can totally see that.
0: And I'm not saying you need somebody that's always validating you and things like that, but you need someone that says, I feel your pain Don't be petty with your responses. Almost like a mature group of people, for lack of a better word. And
3: Yeah, definitely.
0: And that's another reason that we created the Nacho Kids Academy, because the Facebook group, you're fighting with people that... They are so hell-bent that they won't control. They w- this is my house and they're going to clean their room. And if they don't do it exactly like I think they should, then they're on restriction. And it just, it causes so much stress and to try to argue with the people or not argue, but try to talk to them and say, look, leave that up to the dad.
3: Yeah. The whole like, not your kids thing that I wrote on the questionnaire was like such a relieving moment, even though I was like in tears. Yeah, I know. But it was just like the person, my counselor just kept repeating it. Like I was crying on the phone. We're having a counseling session about all the things that were going on that was stressing me out, that was upsetting me, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And she just started repeating that over and over and over again. And it just something about it, the way she did it, it just sunk in of like, they're not yours. They're not yours they're not yours. They're not yours. They're not your relationships to manage. They're not,
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
3: not your place to manage his relationships with his kids. It's not your place to discipline them.
0: It's not your place to fix them because you didn't break it.
3: Yes, exactly. It's Mm -hmm. not your place to get in the middle of him and his ex. It's not your place to be, you know, it's just, it's, it's not yours. Mm -hmm. Like those things are pre you and, pre your relationship and you live with them every day, but they're not yours.
0: But like you said, it hurt, didn't it?
3: Hurt. I was like tears streaming down my face, just crying about how much I love these girls and I want the best for them. And it's not like you thought they were yours. No, and I never did. It's just, it just taking a step back from trying to be more of a parental role than everybody's on the same page with. Like my husband doesn't want me in my, in that role. The girls don't want me in that role. They have a mom and a dad that, it's their responsibility. And ultimately they'll have to make peace with whatever choices they make down the road of how they're parenting or lack of parenting.
4: To your point still, it, it's difficult advice or information or feedback to receive. Mm-hmm. And um, so the forum, the, the format in which it comes is extremely important. And yeah, an online, you know, social media based group where it's just words being typed and who knows who's saying what, I mean, that's, that's challenging. Mm And this is even with like high level counselors and one-on-one, like she said, she's crying. She's having to say this over and over. So it's also the kind of information that if I, if I feel it's my, somehow uh, my role in life to impart my, my wisdom to other people, uh, which is I'm saying, I'm putting air quotes up, you know, obviously what works for us is, is great. And we're happy to To speak in a forum like this, Mm -hmm. um, where if someone takes something from it, great. We hope we can be helpful in that way. But if we start trying to force our opinions on others, or it's an environment like so much of that social media can be, that's challenging because it is hard. It is hard. It it has been hard for me to hear the things I needed to hear. And it was very hard for Jessica, I know, to hear the things we needed to hear and just Mm -hmm. accept those things. So yeah, you've got to be careful. About those that you do let, let into, into your, your circle, ear. yeah. yeah. Um, from that standpoint of just saying, hey, it's got to be people that have lived it and are there to just to to listen and to give that consistent advice. If if that's fair, not a hardcore black and white. It works for everybody, but just you know, and, and, listen. and listening first. Any environment that's not willing to listen first, if 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 it's coming at you with with answers first, then. I'm going to probably walk away from that because they, anyone that's going to take the time to listen and understand our challenges then and only then can, can there possibly be feedback that we still, you know, we still make it ours. Everybody is their own situation. No one else in the world has our exact scenario. Nobody does. We don't have your exact scenario. So we we can only take those bits and pieces and um, again, then hopefully turn internally and work together and, It's been important for me, again, as a man who's like, I'll take care of this, I'll figure it out, I'll whatever, buckle it up, Mm -hmm. just shove it down, all those things that, that are just so easy for me to do. And I'm just blessed with a wife who's like, you know what, that may not work here. And I encourage you, I would have never been sitting here on this podcast right now. If it were not for her, and so I'm I'm blessed in that, and I would encourage other men to listen to that side of their wives if they do hear that from them, and to be open and receptive to those things. There's been times where it was her um, getting counseling one-on-one, and that was the message and the and what was needed. And there's times that we were definitely both a part of it, and then again, even times that it was just me in my environment. And I think that has helped has helped me understand and move move further along our journey
0: right now let me ask you this real fast and then we're going to wrap up jessica when you had met with that counselor and she kept saying they're not yours it's not yours you know it's not your responsibility Mm -hmm. was that before or after you had heard of nacho kids before okay yeah and the reason i asked that is because i was hoping it was before because that way this counselor she set you up to understand the nacho kids method is what she did yeah And it's awesome. You know, our story is that Mr. Butler told me 862 times, Lori, they are not your kids. And like you said, it's about the presentation of it. And it did hurt. And it was sad. But then it hit me. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. They're not my kids.
3: They're not my kids. It doesn't mean I don't love them. It doesn't mean I don't want the best from them. It doesn't mean I don't have relationships with them. It doesn't mean I don't care about them, spend time with them, provide for them. It's just, they're just not mine. Right. It's just, I don't know how else to kind of say it. It just, it really relieved so much off my shoulders Mm -hmm. and doesn't take away from the relationships that I have with them or the place that I have in their hearts, the place that they have in my heart.
0: Right. To me, it was like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders.
3: A hundred percent.
0: And I mean, instantly we felt the dynamics of our home change. Not that we didn't have a long way to go because I had to get over the resentment and hurt and so did they and all that stuff, but it was just freeing.
3: It's very freeing. Yeah.
0: Well, I am so glad that you ran into a counselor that knew that or knew to tell you that and that you were open enough to hear it. Because a lot of people, like I said, they're just so hard headed. They're just determined that, no, I'm going to raise them. They're in my house. And so I'm glad you were open to that. And it sounds like y'all have a great relationship. And that's so important, especially in this blended mess, but definitely in any marriage. And I really appreciate both of you being a guest on our podcast today.
3: Well, thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, we'll have to have you back sometime and maybe when your little baby gets a little bit older and we'll be like, "Oh, Jessica, do you still think <laughs> do you still think a 5-year-old should be cleaning the toilets?" <laughs> I don't know, time will tell. Yes. Well, thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. All right, thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. One thing I talk about with Jessica and Mark is Jessica would tell Mark how to parent. Mm. or what to do regarding the kids. And I asked her if they knew. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, David's kids knew because he never cared about them jumping on the furniture before. (laughs) 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 And now, here's Lori, and all of a sudden, Daddy cares if we jump on the furniture. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I remember one of them. I don't know how they were, but I remember telling them, to. I can't remember if I told them to do something or not to do something. But I remember he looked at me, and of course it was probably Branson, but he looked at me and he's like, is that coming from you or is that coming from Lori? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, you little smart tail.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not stupid, folks. <laughs> nope. And something that was brought up also during this interview is sometimes the stepkids don't love the hours kid like you hope they would. But you have to remember, it takes time for those bonds to form. So just because stepkids don't like little Johnny and he's, you know, still a toddler, that more than likely will get better over time and they'll become very protective of their step sibling.
2: Mhm. Yeah, you would hope so.
0: Mm-hmm. I used to worry about David's kids beating Jackson up and now I really think if it came down to it, they would beat somebody up for Jackson. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. Ethan. Yeah, Ethan just likes to fight. <laughs> our
2: little
0: MMA fighter. Yep. Watch out. Conor McGregor is coming for you. Oh Lord. (laughs) All right, y'all I'm wrapping this up because David's on the crazy train.
2: (laughs) All right, folks, that has been our show for today. Thanks for listening. Remember to share us out, help other people to get help. Help us to help, help help Help. and help. What? (laughs) See how many times I can use help in the Senate. Well, it didn't work. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Help us to help other people. Help you to help other people. Help us. Okay. Them. Stop, David. <laughs> Wrap it up. All right. Share out the podcast. Help us help other people. Oh my Thanks gosh. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <sighs> and remember, life
0: is good when you nacho.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.